Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that someday hopes to be immortalized as a character on the TV show South Park. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining, adults only, 18 and over, pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, and fall is in the air, so what are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight we're going to talk about all tobacco. The entire episode is dedicated to tobacco because in pipe parts, I'm going to dig into ways to smoke flake tobacco. I don't think I've discussed it completely, plus I got a new twist for you. Haha, <laughs> almost a new twist. Uh, my guest tonight is a young tobacconist from the United Kingdom. His name is Glenn Quelch. We'll talk to him later on. Then we've got a Halloween-related music part for tonight. Mailbag and a rant. All that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I am sad to say that tonight will be the final episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. No, I don't want to scare you into thinking it's the last one we're ever doing. It is the final episode done here at the recording studio built at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, because next week we'll be moving the show to a recording studio that I'm building in the back bedroom, bottom downstairs office at my house. Yeah, the house is almost back together again, and once that's done, oh, are we going to have a rant about that? But uh, this is the last one from the Brigham offices here in Concord, so... Uh, the other thing I've been busy doing is, uh, you know how much junk you can accumulate in four years? Been in this building for almost four years now and have been taking boxes and boxes of stuff that I've accumulated or that I've kept here because I'll do some reading here. I've got tobacco samples that have been open that I can't throw away and things that, you know, you just can't part with. And, uh, it's going to be fun trying to squeeze them into the house somewhere, but it'll be uh, be nice to be able to work from home, be nice to be able to get up, and my commute will be, yeah, about 20 feet downstairs past the coffee maker, and then the morning traffic will be fighting the stairs with the cat. So we'll see how it goes. I've done it before, and it'll be fun. Anyway, let's get the show going. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Welcome back. All right, let's talk about flake tobaccos. Uh... And for those that don't know, a flake tobacco is any tobacco that comes pressed and it's in little slices. This also includes the roll cakes or the rolls like a, like a scudo and, and such. Anything that's rolled into little coin shapes and then cut. 
So I spent uh, spent some good amount of time with Pear Jensen in the past month or so. And Pear's got a folding technique that I had never seen before. He's the first one that has ever showed it to me. So I want to talk you through it because it's interesting to try to play with. All right, so what he does is he takes a single flake of tobacco, or depending on the size of the pipe, maybe two flakes of tobacco, lays them flat in his hand, then folds them in half long ways. So now you've got four skinny slices of tobacco. Then he takes that and folds them lengthwise end to end and creates a U shape. With, the, with that U shape, trying to keep the bottom of it as loose as possible, pinch the top, push it into your bowl. And then if you need to move it down a little bit, you can twist it inside the bowl. And this is where the twist part comes in. But you can twist it inside the bowl. And what that does is that kind of opens up the flake and makes the uh, loosens up the flake a little bit to allow some air to get around. Depending on the amount of twist you do to it, you loosen it up more, or if you do less twisting to it, you loosen it up less. Now, this will take you a little bit of practice to, uh, to perfect with each different size pipe bowl that you use and each different size flake, but try it. Be careful not to push it all the way down flat against the bottom of the bowl because you don't want to plug up the draft hole. You just want to push it in, get the top of the tobacco below the rim, or you may have to tear off some of the tobacco. But either way, you want to be able to fill up the bowl with just the with just the U-shaped plug of flake and then give it a little twist to level it out. What I found really interesting is that it lights exceedingly easy. And the reason it lights really easy is because the ends of the tobacco are pointed straight up. The ends of the flake are pointed straight up. And it's easier to light, makes sense to me, but it's easier to light the end of a stick than it is the middle of the stick. So by folding it and doing that little twist and putting the U-shape down, You've got the ends of the tobacco sitting right up on top. Um, I did have to play around and try it five or six or eight different times to figure out exactly how much to push and what size pipe to try it in. But at the same time, it was really interesting at how simple it was to light. I had to be careful with my normal tamping method because most of what I smoke is a ribbon cut. But my normal tamping method... Had to be careful with it because if you push that down, again, then you're getting all that U-shaped tobacco down into the draft hole area. So try that out. Uh, The other thing I want you to do with any of your flake tobaccos is uh, rub it out in various, uh, various intensities. Sometimes if you just take the actual flake and tuck and fold and two or three times and then smell that, then rub it out to a moderate rub out and smell that and rub it out all the way. Pulverize it as much as you can, which is what I do with most of my flakes, and smell that difference. That is the beauty of flake tobacco in that you can customize the burn rate. I think what you'll find out is obviously the less you rub it out, the slower it burns. The less you rub it out, the less intense the flavor is. The more you rub it out, the faster the burn. The more you rub it out, the more intense the flavor is. So you can really begin to start to customize your own tobaccos that way or customize the way you smoke the tobacco that way. Uh, Say you've got a two-hour movie that you're going to sit down and watch. Well, just don't rub it out much at all. Just kind of tuck and fold or pack the flake however however you normally do. Keep it in a whole piece, and it'll last you twice as long as if you pulverized it and rubbed it all the way out. Uh, Same kind of technique goes with the rolls. If you're dealing with a coin-shaped cut, you can take those rolls and kind of tuck and fold them into each other and create a plug of tobacco. So there's a couple of things for you to do. If you've got a different method, post it on on the uh, radio show's page. I'd love to hear what you think. Try these and then post your comments on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page and let me know what you think about that. All right, in just a minute, Glenn Quelch will be on the phone with me. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. 
an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlift Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. Hey, this is Pipe Dave Gabrielle, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. I am honestly excited to welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, Glenn Quelch. And if I've mispronounced your name, correct me in a minute, but let me tell you why I'm excited, because... Glenn is one of those young guys that instead of getting interested in pipe making, developed a passion for blending his own pipe tobaccos and coming up with some stuff that is unique, different, and he has started his own website. So let's get right to it. Glenn, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. All right, first of all, tell everybody, where did you grow up, where are you from, and uh, I know you're 31 years old, so that's another reason why I'm excited, because you're young and full of energy. Yeah, there's not many my age in the industry, but I mean, um, I'm from Nottingham, I'm born and raised in the city sort of thing. I grew up about seven miles outside of the city, on the uh, on the edge of the countryside, on the old coal field, so... And for those that don't know, Nottingham is a dead center in the in the U.K., and uh, home of Robin Hood and, uh, and the Merry Men. Um, the Robin Hood thing's debatable. There's a bit of an argument going off with Yorkshire, just a little bit north of here. But yeah, we're pretty much slap bang in the middle of England, sort of thing. Well, we're going to give you credit for Robin Hood. So how's that? That's ah, perfect. Brilliant. At least we've got one celebrity from the city. So yeah. And anytime you want Kevin Costner back, just let us know. No, 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 no. You can keep him. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm assuming that you uh, started smoking when you were of the legal age of smoking, or was it shortly after uh, or before the legal age? No, I mean, I've been a, I was a cigarette smoker long before I got to the legal age, but I only became a pipe smoker when I applied for a job at the local bricks and mortar in the city. And uh, pretty much by the end of my first day, I'd bought a pipe, half a dozen cigars, a couple of different tobaccos, and I've not looked back since, and that's about 13 years ago sort of thing. And I just fell in love with the differences in tobacco. I'd only smoked cigarettes before that, and just walking into work into a tobacconist, and you've got hundreds of tobaccos, hundreds of cigars, it was just awe-inspiring. And then I made it my quest to try as many different tobacco products as I can, and uh, I made a good, good dent through the UK selection in the first couple of years. Do you remember that first pipe? Uh, I do, yeah. I still have it. It's uh, Parker Brewer Number no. 1. Um, it's absolutely charred to pieces. It's got massive dints missing out of it. Um, it's gooped up to hell, and it tastes as bitter as anything I've ever smoked since. Um, but it's still, that's my, that's my first pipe that I made all them horrible mistakes with that we all do. But <laughs> it's the mistakes that get you to where you need to be, so... And on your on your way through the tobaccos, did you start off with the traditional light aromatics, or did you jump right in? No, I, I did. I made the mistake most people do. I went for a sticky, goopy Danish style aromatic and burnt my mouth to pieces. And I kind of to start off with, I got more into cigars because it was a lot a lot easier. You didn't have to try and figure out the different packing methods. 
but then obviously working in a in a tobacconist, I could ask customers that came in and they started going, oh, you should try some of this, try a Lakeland, go for a straight Virginia, and then I started discovering all the other different styles of tobacco around and eventually nailed the, the all-important packing technique and then just fell in love with it and cigars just kind of slowly just fell away by the wayside and I just became an obsessed pipe smoker. And as you were working your way around all the different pipe tobaccos, what was the what was the most shocking discovery for you? Um, it was when I first tried more of a Latakia heavy blend. I think like, like a lot of people, you look at Latakia, you smell it, and you just expect it's going to be a really strong, really kind of spicy tobacco. Then when you start smoking it, you realize it's got a rich, cool taste, but there's no, there's no body to it. And the same, my, my first love for <clears throat> any tobacco was Latakia. I became obsessed with that pretty quickly. And then, uh, and then moved on to Perique after that, which is a tobacco that I absolutely love, and I generally tend to put it in everything, including in cigarettes, but we're not here to talk about cigarettes. So. <laughs> <laughs> there are Perique cigarettes out there. Exactly. Uh, so you're doing this when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. Were you the only one of your age range that was really that dove this hard into pipes? Pretty much. I mean, I went to a few. I mean, I started working there as the assistant manager, <clears throat> and I went to a few kind of trade trade meetings and things like that, and I was the youngest there by a long way. Um, I mean, the industry now in the UK, there's a few more younger people moving in as their family-run businesses hand over to their sons and daughters and things like that. But, yeah, I think I was one of the youngest people in the trade for a while. Are you seeing more and more young people picking up a pipe in the UK? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's probably about, I'd say about eight years ago was when it all kind of turned around completely. We used to have a, quite a lot of regular pipe customers. Most of them were kind of over the age of 40. And then out of nowhere, you're suddenly getting some 18-year-old students coming in interested. And we started tailoring pipe starter kits for them and things like that. And it's, it's just completely almost flipped around on its head. I mean, the Nottingham Pipe Club that I run, most of our members are under the age of 30 now. Wow. You mentioned the Nottingham Pipe Club. Uh, I take it it meets in Nottingham. We do, yeah. We meet first Monday of every month at the uh, Lincolnshire Poacher, which is kind of a nice traditional old-fashioned nail-style pub. Uh, it's got a nice beer garden. The staff are quite nice. and the, the main thing is it's got a good beer and spirit selection. So. And you're able to smoke outdoors in the, uh, in the outdoor beer garden? Yeah, they've got a nice, nice sunken beer garden out the back, so it keeps us pretty much well protected from the wind. Obviously, when the rain comes, only only so many of us can get under the uh, under the under the covered area, so we all just kind of keep rotating round, so everybody gets to spend a bit of time by the heater. Then you have to be out in the rain and then back in again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we all take turns. Exactly, that's it. So, when did you start your own website and start your own tobacco blending? Uh, I mean, I started blending in, well, it's been about 2009. Um, like I say, I mean, I, I, I use tobacco in all forms, and I started by dabbling, by trying to mix up my own rolling tobaccos, and then it was doing what a lot of people do, is you've got a pipe tobacco, and you think, well, what can I add to it to change it? And then it's just trying, once if I had a bit of Kentucky, once if I had a bit of Latakia, and then by around about the end of 2009, I started trying to put together my own, my first tobacco blend, and that went disastrously wrong. It took us about four months with the help of a load of customers to eventually nail it down into a into a finished product. I mean, I initially wanted to make a very mild Latakia blend, and then it turned into a, a very strong, pretty much Kentucky-based, with quite a bit of a spicy English black Cavendish in there and a lot of Latakia and cigar leaf. So it kind of ended up the complete opposite to what I wanted, but I eventually got something I liked, and it, it taught me a lot about how adding different tobaccos in affect not just the taste, but how hot it is, how fast it burns, you know, how hot it burns in the mouth, and how it affects the room note, and how aging it affects the different tobaccos. And it's basically for probably about the first the year after that, I just kept dabbling around, making up tobaccos, and um, eventually started getting it to the point where I could predict in my head that if I added this, this, and this, I'd be able to produce a tobacco that smokes like this sort of thing when you're when you're trying or testing a blend how long do you let the tobaccos marry before you try smoking it um 
I mean, I pretty much I do it. I do a str- as soon as I've mixed it, I do a test straight away, um, just to give me kind of a benchmark. And then um, then what I do is I put a small amount, enough for say four or five bowls in a little ziplock bag, and I actually tuck it in the side of my sock. <laughs> and then I walk then I walk round with it in my sock all day, and that extra little body heat kind of gives you a rough idea of what a little bit more aging time is. Then I smoke it the next day. Then I wait for a week and smoke it again. And you can just generally start getting an idea of how the tobacco is going to marry and mature over a certain period of time. But um, I say after, I mean, I've done probably 50, 60 blends, so I've got a rough idea of how a tobacco is going to marry over time. It still catches me out every so often where I think it's going to tone down nicely and bring out some sweetness after a month or so. And then you try it after a month and it's become more bitter and more harsh than what you tasted. But most of the time I can pretty much predict how it's going to, how it's going to come out sort of thing. I'm still fascinated by tucking the blend in your sock. Do you, if you have more than one or two blends that you're working on at the time, do you look like a look like you're bow legged? Pretty much, yeah. I sometimes struggle with my boots and kind of rubs away on the inside. But no, I found it's a it's a very good way of just giving a a small amount of consistent heat just to just to start marrying the flavors out a little bit faster. It's probably a much more efficient way, but I like shoving it in my socks. So. <laughs> well, if you lived in a place that had a lot of sunshine, you could do what I did, which was put it in the window and let it sit for a day or two. But, but we don't really get that option over here, so. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, so you you talked about a, a so you you mentioned that there were you know that some of the earlier blends that you tried there were some uh, big mistakes. Give us an example of what is a what's a big mistake and how does it go wrong. I mean, one of the problems I had, I mean, in my, my early tobaccos I made was you've kind of, you've, you've, you've mixed together your basic tobaccos and you go to taste it and, it's, and it, it's a bit hot or it burns a bit fast or it's a little bit too strong. Rather than going kind of back to the drawing board and modifying what I've already done, I used to try by just adding another tobacco to try and compensate for the mistakes that I've made. Then that then gives you another problem and then you add another tobacco to it. So rather than going for simplicity, you kind of piling up with complexities and you've got kind of six seven different leaves all trying to trying to compete for the forefront and the background and it just gets a little bit messy and then sometimes it's, it's mixing the wrong tobaccos together um if you kind of put too much fine if you put too many dark strong fire curled leaves in you just drown out all the other flavors it's all it's all about finding finding the balance basically you don't want anything too predominant you don't want anything too much in the background it's all about it's all about the balance and trying to create a rounded taste and have you played around with the proper amount of aging time or when the optimum aging time is for your blends um, I mean, basically, I, I mean, I find after about sort of a month or two months sort of thing, you've pretty much got it to where you want to be. I mean, um, I don't, I mean, I, I, I lay tobacco down, but I'm not one for really aged leaf. I mean, I get some tobaccos that I've, I've got. I mean, I've got some, some Virginias and I've even got some Latakia that's still in a sealed bag from Germain's from about 11 years ago that I've still not opened yet. And one of these days I'll, I'll find something to put it into. Wow, so you are really doing some uh, some small batch custom blending. It's pretty much I don't make anything more than more than a kilo, two pound at a time. That's kind of the maximum batch size that I work in. And the the original way I found out about you is through Jim Amish, and Jim was fascinated with your cakes that you're doing yourself. And I guess one of the things that fascinated him was how your cakes kind of pull apart like bread. So he he was he was wondering how exactly you do your cakes. I mean, basically, I I don't have a hydraulic press. Um, I mean, my press is basically made out of out of reclaimed bits of wood with some threaded bar put through it. Um, I don't use any I don't use anything as a bonding agent, so I don't put any glycerin or propylene glycol. I don't put anything like that in there. And everything's cold press. I don't use any heat, any steam anything like that. So it's all just cold press. And I, I can't quite get the pressure up high enough to make a proper, a proper plug or a cake or anything like that. So everything's reasonably, it's, a, it's very much a crumble cake. You can just pinch your fingers over the end of it and it will just break off straight into your fingers. But it's, it's in, there's enough pressure there for you to get the flavours to meld and marry together quick enough. But it's not quite as dense as Samuel Gareth's Cobb plug or Warrior plug or anything like that. And when you say when 
when you say you're getting all these uh, all these component tobaccos, you're actually well, you're buying them and sourcing them from different uh, from different suppliers or, or tobacco no, companies. It's, a, it's pretty much from tobacco companies. I mean, in the UK, for you to be able to to buy in raw leaf and start from scratch, you have to have a bonded factory, which, due to the rise of counterfeit cigarettes and things like that, is practically impossible to open one in the UK now. So. I'm at the mercy of Gareth Hogarth, Samuel Gareth, um, Germains. Uh, I get quite a few bits and bobs from Planter, but I have to get, or Robert McConnell and other companies like that, I have to get the leaf in pre-processed. Um, I mean, I have got some raw leaf that I'm having to go and make in a uh, roll cake with at the moment, but for me to source raw leaf, it's practically impossible. Wow. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the different kinds of blends you've done. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Nottingham's own Glenn Quelch. Glenn, you've on your website, which is the website is GQ, the letters G and Q, tobaccos.com. Your custom blended tobaccos, you have all different kinds of ranges. You have aromatics, you have English. Uh, you have even Virginias. Uh, how do you work with blending and aromatic? Are you using flavorings and all that? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I pretty much still stick to a little bit more the old English purity rules. So all the all the flavorings I use are all natural extracts, um, all basically just done in quite high alcohol solutions. So it's more of a top end, more of a top end than a casing. I've still not quite got my head round how to make a Danish or American style aromatic yet, but I'm getting there slowly but surely. So they might be a, instead of a traditional Danish or American aromatic, it might be more of a, uh, what we would consider like a Virginia with just a, just a hint of a flavoring. Yeah, I mean, I do get, um, I mean, I do get kind of aromatic style Cavendish. I get one from Samuel Gareth and I get one from um, Robert McConnell's Coalhouse and Cops. So I basically take them and I add, I add flavorings to it. Um, but I make aromatics with a lot of Latakira, and I do kind of Lakeland-style aromatics with Oriental bases and things like that. But I generally, I, I try and steer clear of the sweet, sticky, cherry and vanilla-style aromatics. Everybody makes that, and there doesn't need to be more of them on the market sort of thing. And then the other question that really piqued my interest, because I am a Perique fanatic, and uh, Jim wanted to... Jim wanted me to ask you how you managed to use so much Perique in some of your blends and they don't turn out to be just 100% Perique bombs. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I was always told, I mean, um, Robert Gareth and Hogarth and Barbara Samuel Gareth, in the early days, they were very helpful to me. I think I, I wound um, Rob up at Gareth Hogarth, ringing him up constantly, asking questions. But <laughs> I was told never use more than 5%. Don't use any more than 5% Perique. There's no point. You just absolutely saturate a blend. And I mean, I've got up to 28% so far, but it's all about 
it's all about balancing it with what other tobaccos you're mixing with. So obviously Perique's got quite a rich, pungent taste, so you need to just make sure you balance it off with something a little bit different. So, I mean, the burpa I make that's 28% Perique, that's a very strong, nutty cigar-like burley that I use as a base, and a little bit of maple sugar is added to it. And it's a very strong, powerful tobacco, but it doesn't blow your mouth out. It doesn't oversaturate the palate with any perique at all. It kind of just kind of builds up into a, a much stronger, spicier smoke. And then the Asquith cake, that took me quite a while. Uh, I worked with Chris Asquith to create that one. That's a 20% straight traditional vapor. And, um, yeah, it just, I, I don't know where this 5% figure came from. You can, you can push it up to 30% before it really overpowers anything. I'm really glad we don't do video on this because then everybody would see the drool running down my mouth. <laughs> I'm the same with Perique. I say I've got, I do what, 20? I've got 20 odd different GQ tobaccos blends in at the moment, and seven of those have got Perique in it. I have, to, I have to stop myself when I create a new tobacco. I can't put Perique and I can't put Latakir in it. Otherwise, I'll have nothing but vapors and English mixtures. So. <laughs> Okay, so now you've got me interested in trying these blends. Uh, anybody that's listening, what what's the best way for us to uh, reach out to you to try these blends? Um, I mean, if you if, if if you're coming in from outside of the UK and EU, your best bet's to contact me first. Um, there is restrictions with the credit card companies, um, so we have to arrange payment via alternative means. But if anybody ever wants to order, please just hop on the website, contact me through the contact page. Or put me up on Facebook. I pretty much spend all my all waking hours on social media. So just just drop me a message. There's always a way around these restrictions. So just have a chat with me, and we'll find a way. And of course, we could always just come and uh, come to Nottingham on Pipe Club Day, spend the day with you, and then go there at night. Exactly. That's it. Yep. Yeah. yeah you, anyone's welcome to to pop down. It's uh, I haven't got a shop at the moment. It's more of a warehouse. The shop's opening in the new year, but. If anybody wants to come visit and pick my brains and have a rummage through the stuff I've got, they're more than welcome to do so. Uh, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Um, what I, I guess what the other thing that I liked about the idea of talking to you is that when you know we talk to talk to a lot of the young artists and pipe makers and how they're working on a new technique and working on a new style of stuff, and I've always asked them what was the most difficult part of learning a pipe or learning how to make a pipe well now you're doing the same thing from the opposite side of the tobacco point of view is there a specific taste profile or a type of tobacco that you've yet to perfect and you're still working on yeah it's basically doing doing a straight virginia blend um i often find they always come out a little bit a little bit one-dimensional even if i'm mixing kind of i've got sweet African style Virginias, I've got kind of dark hair killed from India, or I've got red Virginias. I struggle to, I'm not the biggest Virginia smoker myself. I find it's, it's got nice subtle taste, but I like something that's kind of got a lot of depth and a lot of complexity. And I find Virginias are a little bit, not one dimensional, but you don't get as much diversity until you start adding condiment and spice leaves to it. Wow. And all right, for those of us that are not in uh, the northern UK, what was it like going to Gowith and Hogarth and Samuel Gowith and visiting those places? Um, I'll be honest, I've never actually managed to get up to the factories yet. I, uh, I see them all once a year at a trade show, and I just pick up the phone and harass them all the time. I work so much, I, I don't even give myself the weekends off most of the time, so <laughs> I don't really get to go visit. They probably they probably won't let you in because you might just get stuck in there and stay the whole time. Yeah, there is that chance, especially if I end up going to Samuel Gowers. I'll, I'll never leave, and I'll end up being a end up having the uh, the Mickey ripped out of me by Bob all day. But hey, that's, that's the whole joy of knowing Bob. <laughs> <laughs> also on your also on your website, you carry a full assortment of pipes you carry a full assortment of pipe tobaccos obviously and in addition to your own you carry everybody else's uh you also carry snuff which we've had some discussions about snuff and smokeless tobaccos on the show so i guess people could ask you questions about uh, about some of the uh some of the nasal snuff as well oh exactly that's the i mean i try and carry a wide a wide range so everything from kind of um, irish high toast to more you kind of 
um, like rapper snuffs and things like that. It's I try and do everything from a strong dark course, princess specials, all the way down to the very fine and dry Irish style toasts. And if you are if you are suggesting to a pipe smoker that wants to try one of your English blends, wants to try one of your Virginia Periques, and then wants to try one of your aromatics, which ones would you start people off with? Um, if, I mean, if, to, based upon feedback, if you wanted to try Vapor, the Asquith Cake, say me and Chris Asquith worked for quite a few months to perfect that one. Um, if you wanted to go for an English, I, it'd have to be the classic English because it's a slight variation on the first ever tobacco I've made. And whenever I see anybody comment that they like that tobacco, that excites me more than anything. That's my, that's my first little baby that people are saying good things about. And as for an aromatic... I'd probably say my rum and honey, because that's an old personal blend I made for myself years ago. Um, it's an aromatic with balls, basically. It's 50% <laughs> English, it's English sliced twist. So it's not this flavoured, hot-aired rubbish that most people generally tend to go for. It's a very strong, spicy, more natural tobacco taste with rum, honey, and uh, baking spices, just to give it a little bit of a sweet taste and to give it a nice room note. That's why I used to smoke with family when they complain that I'm smoking Samuel Gareth's um, Commonwealth mixture and Gareth and Hogarth's number 12, which you might as well just put neat here in your pipe for people to sit around you. So it's got a <laughs> nice nice smell, but it's got a strong, prominent tobacco taste, like flavourings just round it off rather than making up the flavour profile. And you do a Christmas blend every year. I do, yeah. This is a, it's a very popular tobacco. I mean, again, I, the, the bricks and mortar I used to work at the, created the initial recipe for it back then. Um, and again, it's, it's not a typical aromatic. It's, there's twist in there, um, but it's more of a traditional Christmas taste, so it's not a sweet aromatic. There's lots of spices, cinnamon, nutmeg, clove, star anise, allspice, um, brandy, orange, a bit of apple. So it's more of your traditional-style Christmas flavours rather than a... Sweet aromatic that just happens to <clears throat> excuse me that just happens to have a bit of marzipan or va- or vanilla in it, which it doesn't really scream Christmas to me. But anyhow, <laughs> it, marzipan if you're if you're Scandinavian, that's Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you done any work with the with the Turkish or the or the Oriental tobaccos? My selection of Orientals is very narrow. Being an English blender, I'm assuming this will cause an argument. The only Orientals I can get are Latakia and Izmir. And yes, Latakia is an Oriental, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering where it comes from, it should be. Exactly. Now, I've had, I've had arguments with people on forums and message boards about that, that it's not an Oriental tobacco, it's his own condiment. And by any, any description of an Oriental, Latakia is an Oriental. By any description, it's a small leaf burley that's processed differently. Therefore, it's an oriental. Everybody get over themselves. Exactly. Yep, that's it. But no, all I can get is is Izmir. I mean, Gowat Hogarth, they don't use any other orientals but Latakia. And it's, so, and it's the same with what a lot of English blenders call a Balkan. It's just Virginia and Latakia. So for me to be able to get hold of different orientals would be a, be a dream come true, basically. I was trying to uh, convince... Robert Germain to let me have some of his basma, but he wasn't having none of it last time I spoke to him. So, <laughs> and you won't, and you won't let the the banker won't give up the pile of gold either. Exactly. Yep, that's it. <laughs> well, I'm still playing around with these little condit with these little varietals that I found and got my hands on, and uh, it's quite interesting, but. Uh, besides the uh, tobacco blending and the upcoming new uh, brick-and-mortar store, what else keeps you busy? Um, uh, I've got a little one. I've got a son that's the same age as the company, so when I'm not working, I'm, I'm trying to look after him, and that's all my life seems to be at the moment, is trying to the, the juggling act between my passion for tobacco and, and my family. But eventually one day I'll find that magical formula for it, but for the time being I'll just keep throwing them both up in the air and pray that one lands in the one hand and one lands in the other. <laughs> so you gave, you, 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 you gave birth to a child and a company all in the same time? Pretty much. I mean, I'd say I've, I've worked in this, one of the old, oldest family-run tobacconists in the UK. It's still in the same family, and I'd, I'd wanted to leave to set up GQ Tobaccos for two years, and then when we found out we were expecting our first child, that was kind of the, uh, if you don't do it now, you'll never do it. 
And um, the day I was waiting for the credit card companies to give me the go-ahead on my processing equipment, and the day after my son was born, I got the phone call, got given the password. So with no sleep and the excitement of my son coming home later the next day, I, I launched the website, and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, how are your GQ blends packaged? Um, are they all pretty much, they, they all come bulk, um, so depending on what size packets you buy, if you buy a 50-gram pack, they come sealed in kind of a double-sealed coffee bag. Um, if you buy more than 100 grams, they come sealed in a Ziploc bag, and smaller amounts, it's smaller Ziploc or fold-over bags they come in. I can't, I can't afford a tinning machine yet. Not yet, but I have a feeling one's coming soon. I, hopefully, <clears throat> when, I, when I've got the space to fit it in as well. We will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep, fire away, sir. What is your favorite pipe, even though it doesn't matter, it's all about the tobacco? My favorite pipe is an Asquith Lover that I've got, but any Lover shape, I love a Lover. And this is going to be a tough one for you, but what's your favorite tobacco? <laughs> Blend or cottle leaf? Um, no, I mean, the first tobacco that I had a proper love for, and I still, every time I smoke here, reminds me of the first day I opened the tin was Dunhill's Deluxe Navy Rolls. It was just, when you open that tin, that hay, grassy smell, and it's, I've been in love with Perique ever since I first smoked Deluxe Navy Rolls. Love at first sniff. Uh, pretty much, yeah. What is your favorite drink? Tea. I'm an Englishman. It's got to be tea. Uh, what what kind of tea, since there's uh, more than one? I, oh, exactly. I generally go for kind of Assam, maybe Assam with a bit of salon added to it, but left in, stewed until there's an oil slick on the top, two sugars and a dash of milk, and that's me happy. Several pints of that a day keeps me going. So, <laughs> And the dash of milk is the part where you lost me, because I'm an American. <laughs> no, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to have milk and two sugars in your tea, so... It's an institution here. <laughs> uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Um, I generally tend to sit back and relax with a book. Uh, the Tales of the Sheriff of Nottingham? No, I'm, I'm a big fan of 1950s sci-fi, so old Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and things like that. That's one we haven't had before. And I've just been reading a load of Philip K. Dick stories. It's amazing how much of a Dean Swift snuff fan that man was. Pretty much every story I've read, the main characters dipping into it is, a, is Dean Swift snuff all day. <laughs> and last question. Any particularly favorite pipe-smoking memory? Oh, I... Oh, dear. Um, I, not really, no. They all just kind of blur into one, unfortunately. Well, that's that's a perfectly acceptable answer. So. Okay. <laughs> Once again, the website is gqtobaccos.com, or you can find Glenn on Facebook, or I don't know any of the other social media yeah, things. Yeah, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, I'm on several other forums, but, but Facebook's your best bet. I'm pretty much constantly on Facebook, so... Give him a holler. Check him out. Glenn, thank you very much. And uh, someday I hope to sit down in your store with you in, uh, in Nottingham and smoke a whole pile of Perique. Not a problem. If you're ever over here, you're more than welcome to join me for a proper cup of tea and a nice strong pipe tobacco. So. I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for having me on. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. 
And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco, founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit Sutliff-Tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. Welcome back. Uh, counting down the last few minutes here in the old recording studio. But, I mean, truly refreshing, because I've always considered myself more of a tobacco person than a pipe person. To me, the tobacco is more the, the most important component. Yeah, good pipe helps too, but in my opinion, which I am the leading expert on, the tobacco is more important, and how refreshing and exciting to meet and talk to somebody 31 years old and is just that passionate about blending tobaccos. All right, so uh, Halloween's coming up, and uh, no, I won't get to dress up this uh, Halloween and terrorize kids in the neighborhood because I will be in Atlanta on a marching band trip, <laughs> last marching band competition of the year, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. We will be performing on uh, Saturday... On Saturday, we'll be performing on the field of the Georgia Dome, so uh, get to play on an NFL field. Uh, but anyway, Halloween coming up. Wouldn't be Halloween without the Pipes Magazine radio show doing something fun for Halloween. And no, we're not doing anything Disney-related. What we are doing is Boris Karloff. Thanks to archive.org, I found Boris Karloff. It's a series of... 13 that they had, magic, <laughs> wonder how they picked that number, uh, 13 episodes of Boris Karloff reading what's called Tales of the Frightened. This is about five minutes, and this one is called Never Kick a Black Cat. And of course, Boris Karloff, not only a, a great actor and perfect for Halloween, but a pipe smoker as well. If you scare easy, close your ears for about five minutes. Here he is. Do you see that black cat just ahead of you? Look out. It may cross your path with a sudden dart of its black, furry body. Now, you know that old superstition about not letting a black cat walk across your path. Do you believe it? Well, if you do, or even if you don't, perhaps you'll be interested in hearing the strange tale of Phoenix Darnell and the cat that screamed in the night high above the streets of the city. It was a cold, dreary, rain-swept day when Felix Darnell first met the cat. Felix Darnell was a construction foreman on the Wells Spencer project on the Lower East Side. The Wells Spencer building was already 13 stories high and with but seven floors more to go, the building would be one of the mightiest and most ultra-modern structures on the East Side. Now, Felix was a tall, thin, scarecrow of a man. But the muscles of his body were taut and finely strung through his deceiving-looking frame. He was a foreman of an older day. <laughs> Indeed, he might have worked on the pyramids or the colossus of Rhodes. But Felix Darnell was a lonely man with no one to share his pride. He ate alone, lived alone, and walked alone. And on this cold, dreary, rain-swept day, he walked to his job, staring down at the pavement. Suddenly, there before him, a long, thin, black cat stalked from an alley and halted on its haunches. Felix Darnell didn't see the cat until he nearly stumbled across it. He snapped out of his reverie and cursed. 
cats. He hated cats. Viciously, he aimed a kick at it. The cat howled in pain and slunk off, miserable and wet in the rain. When Felix reached the project, he changed into his overalls and cap and took the lift to the 13th floor. By now, the rain had abated somewhat, but as he looked at the scaffolds and the catwalks, Felix Darnell was not happy. The rain and the wetness would slow up the job. He cursed again. Suddenly, Felix Darnell heard a crying, moaning noise. A low, fierce sound like someone in agony. Could someone be stuck out on the framework, trapped on one of the catwalks? Taking a flashlight because the daylight was dark and unnatural still, he stepped out onto the catwalk that ran on a straight line to what would be a southwest corner of the building. He walked slowly and carefully along the thin iron ledge that held his weight. The street yawned beneath him, 13 construction floors down. And then, a dark figure, bald and indescribable, sprang from a dim niche and shot towards Felix Darnell. He had one awful second to see the two eyes burning in the cat's head, the same cat that he had kicked only an hour before. The feline body raced between his legs on the catwalk, and with a horrible scream he tried to balance himself, fought for survival. His hands clawed at the air, but, but his weight, thrown to one side by the cat's movement, hung into space for a brief instant before he fell all the way to the street, 13 floors below. He landed on a steel beam waiting to be hauled up, and what it did to him was something that would make even a cat turn away in disgust. Interesting tale of revenge, isn't it? Phoenix Darnell and his black cat. Well, of course, it might have been just a coincidence, but there, look. We can find out for ourselves. A black cat just crossed your path. See him go? Do you mind if I stay with you, my friend? <laughs> I'd like to see for myself just what happens to you. Somebody's going to have to tell me what happened because I couldn't make it. I stopped listening about halfway through. What a great voice. Boris Karloff. Oh, if I only had that voice, well... I wouldn't be doing this radio show, but mail call. in the mailbag, let's jump right into uh, Trail Boss wrote uh, on the show, Brian set up a Pipes Magazine get together at the Eiffel Tower on Sunday night. Yes, that's right. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, Sunday night after the Pipe Show closes, 9 p.m., the Paris Hotel at the Eiffel Tower. We'll, whoever's there, come on over. Uh, he does go on to write, for what it's worth, I agree with Brian in a previous rant. He talked about attendees cutting out early and leaving the show to be a ghost town-like atmosphere for the vendors. Uh, I don't remember which one, which show that was exactly, but uh, I want to reverse that. What bothers me is the vendors that cut out early or make it a, uh, if it's a two-day show, stay for the entire two days, stay for the entire time. Because there are attendees that can only make it on Sunday, and when they walk in and see empty tables, they feel like they missed out on something. So if you are an attendee at a pipe show, come whenever you can. If you're going to rent a table or pay for a table space, make sure and stay for the entire planned time of the show. In reference to uh, last week's show with Dr. Bob, uh, truly enjoyed this show, writes J.H. Hicks. Perhaps it's because I got to listen to it with my brother, yay vacation, while sitting in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, I have to agree that bent pipes that pass the cleaner test smoke better. Okay. Uh, I don't have an opinion on Latakia, but... I'm a, uh, but because I'm a Virginia vapor guy, uh, Dr. Bob was a pleasure to listen to this week. He's right about secondhand smoke as a lifelong asthmatic secondhand smoke has never bothered my lungs, even in packed bars. Uh, Jay Chicks, I wonder, did, does, uh, does pipe smoking bother your asthma? Anyway, 
Uh, he goes on to write, I wonder if Jimmy Johnson knows that you can't stand him. Uh, happy and cool smokes. Now, I really don't think Jimmy Johnson knows I even exist. So I don't think he's worried about me one bit. Uh, John Seiler writes, hi, Brian. There it is. Sorry, Latakia is just not my cup of tea. I prefer Virginia's. Apparently there's a trend. Uh, Dr. Bob is a fixture at many of the pipe shows that I attend. He is one of the better pipe carvers today. He has reached this through many years of effort, not as an overnight internet star. I've owned several of his pipes, and they all smoke good. Bob, you do make a great hawkbill, or donkey nut. Uh, I added the donkey nut part. You have come a long way on that shape. Besides that, Bob is just an all-around great guy. Nice interview. Uh, David Rose Music. Oh, I see the first music selection was well known to you. Yes. <laughs> um, Blues in the Night had some familiar melodies to it. Sounded like it was from the big band era. And John writes, Rant, Boo, Turlock, California, typical government to waste money on a smoking ban. It shows a lot of interest in enforcing a stupid ordinance. Great show, Brian. I want to thank the forum member that posted the information on the one-day sale of Full Virginia Flake by one of the sponsors. I ordered 10 tins of one of my uh, favorite tobaccos. Perhaps something like this should be mentioned on future shows. Okay, if I knew it was going to happen, we might be able to coordinate it. Uh, Nelson Birdseye writes, Brian, great show with our good friend Dr. Bob. We miss him at the Sherlock Holmes Pipe Club of Boston. Was hoping to hear a little bit, of, a little bit more about pipe smoking and health. Maybe you could have him back to talk more about that another time. Take care, Nelson. And Casey Ghost writes, a really good show. Latakia seems to be one of those love it or hate it things. I fall in the love it category. All right, we got one. Uh, I even prefer the Cyprian over the Syrian. I have bought a number of spectacular aged tins of tobacco containing Latakia over the years. I just don't see the dilution of flavor as it ages. As you know, my palate is legendary in its simplicity. <laughs> Maybe only second to mine. Uh, Casey Ghost goes on to write, Dr. Bob is just a wonderful person and a real asset to the pipe community. He makes a wonderful pipe that anyone could be proud to own. David Rose had a long and successful career. His first wife was Martha Ray and his second was Judy Garland. He is the grandfather of Samantha James. And then he says, I forgot to mention that you might consider Chris Bouchelon for your weekly musical interlude. Chris is considered by many to have been the originator of the talking blues style of music, and he was a pipe smoker. Duly noted. Yeah, and I also found out later on that David Rose, after reading some of the comments, extremely prolific. And uh, besides that, being married to Judy Garland and Martha Ray, not bad. Uh, Riff Raff writes, I enjoyed Steve's article as well as Brian's insight to Latakia. I've heard more that one well-regarded pipe enthusiast say that aging doesn't do much for it. I have a few well-aged Latakia blends that I enjoy very much. Simply put, smoke what you like, give away what you don't. I enjoyed Bob's interview. Being that I'm a relative newcomer to pipes five years and going strong, I love hearing about the pipe manufacturers. It is widening what is already a whole new world for me. I love the music. The eclectic selection of music is amazing. Something for everyone. I dig it. As for Turlock, California, well, when the bureaucracy is so big that it can't remember what it's doing, it's time to downsize. Just my two cents. Great show, gents. Yeah, what I like about uh, Turlock's bureaucracy is uh, it's a town of, what, 75, 80,000 people? Uh, last note that I have is from, uh, Patrick Evans and Patrick is a radio show listener and originally had sent me a thing on an Indiegogo launch plan for a constant monitoring blood sugar wristwatch looking device that, uh, doesn't require, uh, any blood. And then he goes on to write, by the way, thank you so much for the time you put into the podcast my coworker and I are missionaries in Nigeria living in the deep bush. Your show is our pipe club, and it shows him smoking a bent bamboo pipe and holding some sort of a small monkey. Um, really cool. Glad that the, 
there's another uh, missionary in Africa that we reached out to. So wonderful to hear. All right, everybody, in just a minute, we're going to rant a little. This is Internet Radio. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fullnoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com Fournoggins.com I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, We live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. In another case of political correctness run amok, I turn your attention to the West Australia Opera Company. Uh, The West Australia Opera Company was about to put on a, for the season, a performance of the opera Carmen. Carmen, written in 1875, apparently the uh, the opening scene is outside a cigarette factory in France. Well, here's what they wrote. A decision by the West Australia Opera Company to drop Carmen because it features smoking has left its fans and Tony Abbott, the Australian Prime Minister, fuming about political correctness gone crazy. Uh, It goes on to write that the state-owned opera company is ditching Bizet's masterpiece from its repertoire under a a $400,000... Australian dollar two-year partnership with Healthway, the state government health promotion agency, starting in March. Uh, What the uh, opera company says is, we care about the health and well-being of our staff, stage performers, and all the opera lovers throughout, which means promoting health messages and not portraying any activities that could be seen to promote unhealthy behavior was wrong for them in some way. Uh, the opera first, yeah, here it says, the opera's first act takes place in Seville Square outside a cigarette factory and features smoking in the setting, action, direction, and the libretto or text. Anyway, what happened is uh, the Prime Minister, Mr. Abbott, says, however, has been ridiculed, as, ridiculed this as politically correctness gone crazy. Uh, to change a historical opera of 1875, just because they're worried about the health of whatever, I'm not sure. I can guarantee you, though, it's not to protect the children, because I don't think there's any children going there to uh, uh, see an opera. Anyway, the last line is my favorite one that from Prime Minister Abbott. It said... <laughs> He said, we don't stop the theater from running Macbeth because it promotes killing kings. Anyway, according to uh, my friend Dan Locklear, uh, they worked it out and the performances are going to go on as scheduled with uh, no changes to the opera. So a little political correctness and then a, a sensible prime minister got in the middle of it. All right. I wish everybody a hap- and, uh, happy, happy, yeah, there we go, happy and safe Halloween 
and hope to see you all in Vegas. Please make sure and leave us ratings or reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. If you can, post any comments you got on the radio show on uh, the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. For the last time from the recording studio built here at my office, I will say thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. You're a little scary sometimes. You know that. Brilliant, but scary. <laughs> <laughs>